0: I went in basically knowing nothing other than the fact that I was
1: looking for ash. So this was before you were married. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, ash. Sorry. I'm sorry. I wasn't listening. Okay. You're looking for ash. Okay. Uh-huh.
2: This is
0: back in my college days. <laughs> okay. Sorry.
2: Hi, everybody. This is the Craft Will Never Die podcast. My name is Blake Weber, and I'm joined by Nick Key, also known as Key Woodworks, and Jason Hibbs, also known as Bourbon Moth Woodworking. You can find me at the Weber Wood Shop. All three of us are on YouTube and Instagram, but you can find us collectively at Craft Will Never Die on Instagram. We're recording from three different states around the country. I'm in California, Nick is in Kentucky, and Jason is in Oregon. But once again, our microphones have brought us together, and we are super stoked to bring you episode number five of the Craft Will Never Die podcast. What is going on, guys?
1: What's up, fellas? Hello, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. <laughs> welcome.
2: So, as we were recording last time, I started getting this like massive headache and it was going all down the side of my face. And I wasn't really sure what was going on, but it was getting worse and worse. And this was like, I think we recorded on a Friday night. So,
0: did you have a
1: stroke? <laughs> it's your headphones, right? Your headphones were too tight.
2: I, that's what I was thinking. Cause, and, and these headphones are brand new. I got these sweet like JBL headphones that I was pretty stoked on when we started the podcast. And I'm like, oh man, I was bummed because I thought that that was the problem. Well, so as the weekend went on, it got worse and worse. It turned out to be literally the worst pain I've ever had in my entire life. Like this is my new 10 out of 10 on the pain scale. Dude. It was a
0: toothache. Oh, I, I was going to ask you if it had to do with your root canal.
2: Yeah. Wait, didn't you just have a root canal? Yeah. So I, I told you guys about the root canal after that podcast. Oh. But what ended up happening is that that pain went over the whole weekend I I couldn't even sleep. It was coming in waves like half an hour on, half an hour off. And every time it would come in a wave, it got worse and worse. But basically, my dentist about a year ago told me that like he gave me a filling and he said, you might need a root canal. It's either going to get worse or better. What? What? That sounds like a terrible (laughs) dentist. Yeah,
0: you got a 50-50 shot, son.
1: Yeah. The dentist, you want him to say like, okay, you're good. Not like, hey, there's a 50% chance you're going to be excruciating
0: pain. I don't know what I did. I could have fixed you or you might need to come back. Oh,
1: jeez.
2: I was literally like Tom Hanks on Castaway. I was like looking for the nearest ice skate. This thing hurts so uh, bad. I ouch. was just ready to get it out of my head.
1: Okay, here's a question. Okay, uh, just, sure. just for fun. If you had to pick one tool in your shop to extract a tooth, what would you use? Nick, go.
0: Um, I'm going to go with a, a crank neck chisel.
1: <laughs> just horrible. chop it out yeah <laughs> Ooh, okay what about I, you, I think
2: i'd probably i'd probably just look for like a piece of string and hook it to the garage door and lay on the floor and just hit the remote button uh, okay that'd work <laughs>
1: nice i think i would make some really crazy creative uh jig for the table saw
2: yeah i bet you know, yeah, just go big or go mm-hmm. home <laughs> Take the time to set it up right. You yeah. know, get it super accurate. <laughs> exactly. One shot.
1: Does a saw stop? I don't have a saw stop, but do you think a tooth would set off a saw stop? Ooh. That's a That's good question. A we should, someone should write saw stop and ask. Just out right. of curiosity. Yeah. If you get tooth. one in
2: your shop, let us know. I have a friend <laughs> yeah. that
1: wants to know. So what happened with the, the tooth? You had to go get a root canal, apparently. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So I that dentist who gave who told me that. You're either gonna need a root canal or not. <laughs> Apparently he retired. Uh-huh. And when I went or got uh, fired.
0: Air quotes retired.
2: <laughs> so when I called that number, there was some other dentist working there that didn't take my insurance anymore. So here I am left with no dentist. And the weekend is just getting longer and longer, and this tooth is hurting more and more. So uh-huh. I I made a list of dentists. That I was gonna walk into. Of course,
1: Blake made for- it Right, <laughs> Shock- no.
2: shocker. Yeah, yeah. I did my research over over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> made made a list of dentists that I was like, I'm just gonna drive door to door around town until I can find somebody Monday morning, first thing in the morning when they all open, until I can find somebody who'll let me in the door and give me do something about this tooth. So luckily, the first one that I walked into says, "Oh, our seven o'clock, uh, seven a.m. appointment just canceled. So you're in. Oh, nice. Oh, you lucky dog." So I got an appointment right away and they got me in, but just, I wanted to just jump out of my skin. It was literally just the worst thing I've ever experienced. Dude, I will
1: vouch. I had to have a root canal at one point and it, it was honestly, that's probably the worst pain I've ever experienced too. And I woke up, it just happened like suddenly in the middle of the night, I woke up to this excruciating pain and then I couldn't go see a dentist until like nine that morning. I stayed up all night. But isn't it crazy how as soon as they drill it out, it's like instant relief.
2: Oh, yeah. Like and that's, instant, totally,
1: yeah.
2: And that's that's how I felt, and and the morning just kept dragging on and on on even on Monday morning, as you know, you go to you basically go to one dentist, and then they refer you to the endodontist, if I'm saying that right. But uh, the, basically the root canal specialist. So you know it was probably like noon or one o'clock before I finally got that thing drilled into. So I was just I just wanted to like get that thing out of me, but
0: at least it wasn't two thirty.
2: <laughs> oh, <hey-o>. oh geez.
1: <laughs> someone had a second.
2: yeah we'll be here all night folks yeah
1: so i mean then did you have to get like a cap and all that jazz? yeah
2: i've never had a root canal before but uh i'm learning all about it apparently that's like a four-step process so oh, i did because
1: they do de- oh, they destroy your tooth fixing it, so then they have to like put a new one on there basically yeah
2: they, they drill in it the first time, get like 90% of the root out. And then they say, you got to come back. They'll make sure that they got it all and drill out the rest of it. Yeah. Then you got to go back again for the temporary cap. And so I'm sitting here with the temporary cap. But
1: you know, when they- you have to have mad respect for dentists, because like imagine like a really intricate woodworking oh, yeah. project that you've done. Okay. Now imagine doing that entire job inside someone else's mouth with your <laughs> tips of your fingers. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what a dentist does. I don't even know how
2: they're doing it man it's just a really small domino yeah like a, like a yeah fest tool makes like the the dental domino the dental I domino i don't know if you've seen that one before we should
1: copyright that because they'll totally do it
2: oh my god Get a yeah,
1: patent on it or whatever
2: yeah so but they gave me the options they're like yeah you can have you know this or that and so what do you think i went for for the cap gold gold bling yeah Yeah. well
1: that's the best because they say like oh you can get porcelain but it can chip and crack like i got gold on mine too because they said it lasts the longest
2: totally and you know if you're ever in a bind you just pop that thing out and pay your way yeah that's right
1: yeah Yeah, that makes sense crazy Mm -hmm. man so you're feeling all good now though
2: Uh, i'm feeling all right yeah i i still this is the temporary cap it's a little funky but um in the meantime i made a lot of progress on the cnc machine my, my latest obsession got the thing installed and uh, last time I was talking about a lot of the frustrations that I was having with that thing. And every single one of them just came down to user error. So hmm. I was going to suggest that yeah, was a problem. I had a
0: feeling
1: because
2: yeah, old people like you have a hard time with technology. So I just assumed <laughs> that that was it. But, and I, I pretty much knew that too, but it just, I mean, if you don't know, you don't know. So I, I just, I was just working through the mistakes one at a time. And actually, um, Winston, who we mentioned last time on the podcast, been, has been really helpful. Kind of talking to him back and forth, and uh, helping me work through some of the prog- problems that I had. But did you yeah, have a I'm,
1: secret backroom deal with Winston? Like, hey, I'll mention you on the podcast if you agree to help. No,
2: me. I don't. But um, he, <laughs> I've he's been my my CNC savior lately. So I, I gotta just give him <laughs> give him props for that. Nice. Speaking
1: <laughs> of CNC saviors, did you see the stories I put on the Craft and Never Die um, Instagram? I did. My, podca- my um, podcast, my CNC is up and running.
0: I noticed that. Has it cut anything yet?
1: Yeah, it cut out. So, okay, like I said, I didn't get it up and running. My boy Gary was over right. there. He got it all running, and then he set it up to carve something out. And guess what it carved out? Hello, world. Oh, really? And I was like... That's- oh,
2: well, that's the-, that's the X-Carve, right?
1: Well, that's the Shapeoko, like... Oh, the Shapeoko. ...thing. And I was like... Yeah oh, that's crazy because I think that's what the Shape carves out. And he's like, oh, well, I just typed that in there.
2: How random is that? (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah, you were confusing me. So you do have an X-Carve, right?
1: I have an X-Carve, but he just typed that in there to carve it out. And I was like, did you listen to the podcast? And he's like, no. I was like, did you know about the Shape He's like, no. He's like, it's a computer thing. That's just what you have computers do for their first right." That's like the binary hello. Yeah, it's just like what you do. And I was like, Oh, I did yeah. not know that. But all <laughs> so right. So back
2: to what I was saying it's just it's all just user error. I just didn't know how to train mine properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a new puppy or something.
1: But so that's yeah. the only thing it's cut out. But it's cool to see it like move, man.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'll say that I saw Gary on the stories, and I, he's not who I expected Gary to be.
1: You racist? Person, no,
0: n- no. <laughs> I for some reason what? I thought that he was going to be like super nerdy, but he looked cool.
1: Asian people can have the name Gary. Yeah, that's what you're saying.
0: That's exactly what I was saying. Really, I- <laughs> <laughs> Gary is awesome. I
1: absolutely love that dude. And um, I, he's not big on Instagram or YouTube or anywhere, so I can't really send you anywhere to see his work. But he's a good woodworker, man. He's very, very detail oriented. Got to
2: get that guy an Instagram account.
1: I uh, know he's got to get on it. Um, I basically in payment for him setting up my CNC, I was like, "This is basically your CNC." You. I gave, I literally gave him a key to my shop and he could just come use it whenever he wants. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He's probably going to do way more on it before I ever get to it. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that's actually one of the things that I meant to ask you is if you plan on, you know, using it or learning some of the software, because the more I dive into this thing, the more I realize what you can do with it. And last time I was talking about how you know, there's so much setup time. And there's so much you have to do on the front end to get going. But as I get more comfortable with it, I can see how people get quicker at just input, output. And you, yeah. you start to get the results that you want. So yeah, I, no, I, I mean, could see I it would... being a pretty useful tool for you, you know, despite kind of what, how our last conversation. Yeah, no,
1: been. I would like to to use it, the thing I'm most excited about um, that I think I'll use it a lot for is actually cutting out plywood templates that I could use repeatedly for other pieces of furniture, you know, because that way I can get them absolutely perfect and then I just use a router to cut them out of other wood. so that's one thing I think I'll use it a lot for, but it's just going to take time to figure out the software. I'll get to it, but like everything, it's slow because I got so many other things going on, dumb podcasts I'm a part of, and things like right. that. Right? So. Yeah, eats up a lot of time, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I've I've just been taking the last couple of weeks in my spare time. I, I really have kind of backed off on social media. I consider myself in just kind of an in between learning time right now. I'm I'm just trying to prepare myself. Um, to use this thing so that I can really get the most out of it. So I've been taking my time to watch some YouTube videos and just learn the software and practice it and play around with it. And I've learned a lot. And, and in the meantime, I've also been building this cabinet. I gotta tell you about the little cabinet that I built for it because the first time I chucked up a bit in the CNC and turned it on to uh, to do a little cutting, I had no idea what I was doing. So. Like I said last time, I, I made the thing literally crash into its own steel base and that bit just exploded with metal fragments everywhere. So I was like, Did it okay, remind that's... you
1: when you were back in NAM?
2: <laughs> yeah. So I'm already having flashbacks. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured that that thing should probably have something around it to to keep the the shrapnel out of my eyes. So I built a little enclosure and
1: You know, you can build enclosures. Over your eyes. They're called safety glasses.
2: <laughs> yeah, but I figured this would be a lot easier, you know? Just build a box. <laughs> and then putting on that would be glasses. easier than safety glasses. Yeah, you know, I, I kept it really simple. I just built a little plywood box and, okay. and, you know, I built my dedicated computer station and then I gave it some sound insulation and some, uh, like a wireless jogging keypad and a tool and bit storage and d- integrated dust collection. And oh my a Threaded insert, hold down, wasteboard and three zones of cinematic video lighting and two GoPro <laughs> mounts and wireless video. Video monitoring and oh external gosh, power controls blake. for the cnc the spindle the dust collection safety shutoff kill switch remote heat remember monitor, last time when we paint. were talking
1: about what number blake was on the endiogram test he, yeah, we had him five. take the test <laughs> and what are you blake
2: i'm a seven
1: no you way you are not a seven <laughs> you want to be a seven You're, i don't
2: even know what that means but that's what it spit out
1: no you were not a seven you were what was the? A five? Yeah, he's no, a. No, I was a, I was no, a seven. No, you sent me a text. You were not a seven. I'm gonna find the text. Yeah, right find now. your text. All right. I
0: want to say that he was like something it was either five,
2: three, seven. Jason is fact checking on the uh, Castle Never Died podcast here.
1: Dude, I can't remember. You guys send so many dumb texts. <laughs>
2: yeah so anyway while you look that up i went to town on this thing man yeah it sounds like i went all out i i was like once i got started
1: three and then a seven which i can get a little bit of the seven you're definitely not a seven to start out with oh is that what it was you're a three so you're like organized list maker i'm surprised you're not an engineer i feel like you would have been a good engineer
2: cool story um oh (laughs) jeez i was an engineering major in college boom Boom. i knew it called Called it it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: well so the cabinet's all done your um external safety glasses are around it
2: yes the thing is totally killer now i'm just ready to use the thing so anyway that's gotta figure out what's
0: next how on earth i'm trying to figure out because since we have the same cnc how did you run the bit into the frame like i i can't wrap my mind around how that even happened He's old, man. Give him a break I was trying to turn a pen.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I was turning this pen. Uh, okay, so you have the shapeoko, right? Right. And, okay, so you know that how the thing is capable of going forward beyond its frame. Yeah, yeah. So like theoretically, which is something that is I think is kind of cool, you could you could actually like rig up some kind of a uh, vice or something in front of it. If you wanted to build one in and then hold stock like vertically yeah, and I've do seen, almost like dovetails or joinery. I have seen somebody cut
0: dovetails with it.
2: Yeah. So the thing will cut hmm. forward, like beyond the limits of its actual steel frame. Yeah. And uh, that's what it tried to do, but <laughs> the well, bit was just ran right into the steel frame and just exploded. Well, how deep are you cutting? Cause you're,
0: well, okay, I have the T-Track on top of mine, so my, my yeah, bed exactly. is raised a little bit,
1: but yes, is do you have so just I a have flat bed and it's I, below the steel frame? I have since built... Um, if you could see Nick's face right now, he is so confused. <laughs> I am so confused because I'm trying to <laughs> the picture... The look on his face, he's like trying to figure we're, this out.
2: We're going to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, no, I have since then built uh, like a supplementary wasteboard with a threaded inserts for hold downs. Okay. And And now, like yours, you know yours has T track, yeah,, um, but it's now level with the frame, but if you don't do that, the the metal frame actually sticks up above like the wasteboard that comes with it.
1: Oh, I
2: guess
0: so, I didn't
1: realize that part, mm, so that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that would never have happened if you would have got yourself a gary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Uh,
0: i mean i'm no I'm no stranger to screwing up the CNC. I just screwed up a project on Saturday. So
1: dude, yeah. I saw that the Ugh. walnut man. Bummer. It was heartbreaking.
0: It was my last piece of good walnut that was ready to go, and I was like, you've got to
2: be kidding me. Ugh. Oh, on the CNC? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I I ended up I remember to talk to you about that. Yeah, tell was... tell us the story though from the beginning. Well,
0: I was I was I was trying to cut this Kentucky shape so I can make a desktop wireless charging pad for your, your cell phone. And I had this great piece of walnut. Left over from I don't even know what it was from it was just scrap but it was perfect size uh, it no was, walnut
2: it's scrap well it's no I mean that's why I was holding scrap. on to it
0: because it's you walnut. Look in my
1: burn pile then. <laughs> exactly
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was it had a little bit of a crown in it so I took the crown out with uh, a hand plane which is funny because you you were like why don't you just use the cnc to flatten it well the hand plane is like a, a thousand times faster to flatten because it just needed a little bit so Uh, Anyways, I got it flat, put it on the CNC and started running the the file. It cut the pocket perfect and it started cutting the profile. And I guess the vibrations, I use these little uh, Rockler mini uh, hold downs that just have a top uh, screw uh, tightening system or you just, you know, lock down your, your hold downs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the vibration of just cutting, I didn't have it super tight and one of them slipped. So, as it went to make the turn around the tip of Kentucky, it turned the whole piece <laughs> and just went right through the state. And I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. I, had to, I was actually not looking at the machine when it was running. The one time I wasn't watching the whole whole thing. And I had to run over after I heard like this monstrosity, you know, cutting. And You know what I love stopped.
1: is that if somebody just like accidentally skipped ahead through the podcast to this moment right now, they would think that Nick was like a evil mastermind with some giant machine <laughs> destroying Kentucky. <laughs> I was cutting right through the state.
2: Yeah,
1: so what you're saying, ironically, because you weren't screwed, you were screwed. Exactly.
2: Your machine probably just heard you say something mean about it and it just decided to turn on you. Ugh,
1: I'm still hurt. Dude, so then you had to go to plan B, which was poplar right yeah i know oh, quite a downgraded. step down <laughs> yeah. MDF. it looks pretty good with the india ink on there though. yeah yeah
0: it, it it's pretty cool it's down here um on the floor but
1: i like it show it to the show it to the listeners hold it up to the microphone yeah so they can let's see it. see it yep see that look at that oh, detail man. intricate that it's nice. beautiful i hope everyone listening appreciates that moron <laughs>
2: i know <laughs> uh, i wish it was walnut does it work does it charge your phone
0: yeah it works it works really good uh, I got Do you
1: have to like download a program or does he just set it on there and it doesn't? It? No,
0: you just set it on it and forget it.
1: Dude, that's crazy. Yeah, I that's pretty get cool. On that game. That's really cool. I want to put that like I want to build my house out of that. Can you imagine? <laughs> just wa- well, anywhere you drop your phone, it's just charged. What's what's <laughs> funny about that is like probably I don't know,
0: probably ten to fifteen years ago, a buddy of mine had this really strange conversation about wireless power. And he was convinced. That we will move to wireless power to where nothing will need to be plugged in, you know. (laughs) Everything will just gather power through the air, and we're halfway there.
1: Yeah.
2: So that's funny that you say that because, like, my grandpa, who's like in his mid nineties, was going on and on about wireless power, and and every everybody else in the family was like, "Okay, grandpa, sure," and like here we are, and it's a real thing. Dude, that's so that's why. Hats off to Grandpa. That guy knew what he was talking about. At I don't 90. want to be the
1: naysayer, but that's got to be like sending some cancer or something through your body, oh, right? Probably. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, that can't be like great for you. Everyone's like worried like, oh, you hold yourself under your head too much. Like it causes brain tumors, which I don't know if that's true or not. But wireless power surging through the air,
2: that can't be wonderful. Do you put the thing like under your pillow so you can charge your headphones at night while you wear them? No.
1: You know what? My my wife gets mad because I would like to watch my food cook in the microwave sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I like to like lean in really close and she's like, stand away. It says like 12 feet. Did you know uh-huh. that you're supposed to stand like 12 no, feet away from the microwave? That's what I the Faraday
0: cage is for.
1: Yeah. Oh, hey, I'm going to tell you this idea because I don't think I'm actually going to do it so that I'm not worried too much about someone stealing it. But if someone does this, I'll buy one. How cool would it be? have a microwave where the front door is a flat screen tv okay so you could watch tv but then one of the channels was a video feed huh. of what's inside the microwave <laughs> <laughs> right here's a live look at what high def like cheese melting i would watch th- i would cook stuff just to watch that
2: oh, 5k cheese no. samsung's
0: yes. probably already in production
2: yeah Jason, do you like just stand around watching your, your finish dry too and just like sniffing the fumes? Is that, is that kind of the same idea?
1: Um, I can't remember. I've been doing it for so <laughs> long. My brain's so foggy <laughs> and fuzzy. <laughs> hey,
2: you
1: Whoa. know what I like to do
0: with sitting in front of the microwave? That reminded me. I, I have this tick. <laughs> Stories about this. Yeah, we're, we're going on go big tangents today.
1: Spiraling yeah. down the rabbit hole.
0: All right, let's hear it. When I use the microwave, I cannot let it go to zero. I have to stop it at one. Oh, like oh. you're afraid it's a bomb and it's gonna no. explode. Yeah, I don't That's know. What if I it... tell myself it's always a game. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's a game for me. Like I have to stop it at one. I don't. Do you I don't ever like do the, this? Because I do this
1: sometimes too. I'll put like, let's say I'm gonna melt some cheese on some nachos. I'll put them in there for like 30 seconds, but I gotta go to the bathroom. So I'm like, Jason, you got 30 seconds. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> come back before the microwave beeps. And so you like rush off and you do it and you see if you can beat it and come back and like push the button. Yeah, it's fun, man. Yeah, it's a good time.
2: Mission Impossible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you y- you probably have one of those microwaves that has like a super annoying beep too. Oh, like it's it the just worst. Goes and goes and like screams at you. That's probably how that started. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. That and your OCD.
0: Yeah. Well, CDO because that's alphabetical order, like it should be. <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: I'm on a podcast with a bunch of weirdos. Yeah.
2: Uh, <laughs> Help me. <laughs> So speaking of CNC, so we—I no, just want to acknowledge to CNC.
1: We've no, I just CNC's the one
2: death. I had to say exactly, and that's why I wanted to say this is that here we are, we're we're five episodes into this podcast, and uh, we've we've spent like two of those episodes talking about CNCs, but you know, I I just wanted to acknowledge that this, this is not like a CNC podcast, but mm-hmm. one of the things I can't help noticing that just about every single podcast out there lately is talking about the fact that you know this new technology they just get so much flack every time they bring it up because people people just talk about how it's like not real woodworking and they're just
0: yeah i've got a video in my bank of videos that need to be made about the cnc being real woodworking because i mean if you think about it like the only real woodworking is hands, hand tools, right? If if they want to go that route of tech, you know, CNC is new technology; it does all the work for you. Well, table saws do all the work for you, so why don't you use a handsaw? Uh, drills do all the work for you, so use a hand drill or a screwdriver. Where where do you draw the line at? What is too much, you know, ease of use for the
1: woodworker? Hmm. Well, and then it goes all the way back to like concept has to start somewhere right no matter how you're doing it cnc table saw drill hand tool hand plane whatever there's a human being behind that design that's saying like this is what i'm going to build and they have to get the wood from start to finish right i think it's all woodworking it's just a completely different point a to point b i mean totally but you you
2: could you could be a purist about anything you know and woodworking's no different but um i I mean if you want to be a purist about hand tools and say that that's the only you know true woodworking fine but i really just think it's another tool in the shop um you know just like everybody mark spagnolo uh the wood worshiper can't you know has Did talked at length wood
1: worshiper <laughs> i don't know who <laughs> yeah. this I'll, mark guy is but is he some I'll, cult leader
2: <laughs> i'll uh, i'll give you his instagram handle later but um yeah the he wood talks at length about how much flack he gets for using the domino it all the way back to when it first came out and same thing same thing for a thickness sander, a.k.a. time saver. It's just another yeah. tool that, that yeah. saves a lot of time and, you know, it if just, you use it just comes
1: leaf. down to, like, what are your motives in what you're doing and what is your, like, like purpose? Is your purpose to make money? Well, then that's going to definitely affect some of your decisions and how you're going to do things. A domino joiner is hands down, like, night and day way quicker than hand cutting mortise and tenon joints. Exactly. Yeah. Um but maybe you are wanting to make money but your clientele wants the hand cut stuff it just depends what you're doing it's all woodworking people need to chill the flip out man yeah but. yeah
2: and if you're doing it for a hobby then you just do you you know you you do what, whatever excites you whatever you you think you want if you want to be a purist and do purely hand tools you know like i get excited about the new technology and what what can I keep adding to this craft to to take it to the next level? So I I I'm excited to see.
1: You don't hear old people say that every day that they're excited <laughs> about <new> technology. <laughs> so that's saying a lot. I
2: I think it's gonna be pretty cool to see what you utilize that technology for over the next few months or years or whatever, yeah, Jason. Me, is,
1: uh, Gary, yeah, it'll be yep, exciting to see what exactly. happens. Exactly, it'll be exciting to see what Gary does it. with it.
2: Yeah. He'll teach you how to use it, and you'll you'll be off and running in no time. But.
1: So, other than Kentucky, did you do anything else in your shop, Nick? Yeah,
0: I finished up that uh, coffee bar slash dresser drawer. Oh yeah, or I cabinet saw it. It looks sweet. Yes. Yeah, it turned out really really nice. I I really really like how that India ink came through. You can see the grain really plainly. I I don't know if I said it in my post or not, but it was really hard to photograph to where you could see that grain. And the fact that I didn't take any other photographs other than my cell phone. So, my bad. Mm. But I, I'm going to try to get some really decent photos of the grain showing through because it, it looks like wood, but it's black. So, it's it's a really cool look.
1: Yeah.
2: It's like photographing a black hole. I You should talk to NASA. They just did that. Right. <laughs> Maybe they yeah. can give you some pointers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But I do have a, a few... Uh, a few little things i gotta tweak on it like the the slides i guess i didn't get them quite level so some of the drawer faces don't sit completely flush dude, on the side so i gotta tweak you used those
1: those use side mount slides right yeah side mount dude you have got to get on the undermount that's what everybody said game. i mean you, i'm telling you nick if you use them one time you will never go back how does that change how you yeah. make drawer boxes you have to cut out a tiny little notch okay. in the back of your drawer for the slide to like go through it takes two seconds like no extra time really at all but the ease of installation is crazy I use the um bloom blum yeah I bloom. debate on sure. how you say this I forget bloom. what it is bloom bloom um undermount drawer slides and they have the blue motion so you once you install it there's these little like rollers on the bottom Uh and you can roll them right to left and up and down so you can adjust the drawer left to right like a few millimeters or whatever and up and down so you can get the drawer in there and then even if it's not like perfect you can adjust it to where it is perfect while
0: it's installed
1: while it's installed Ugh.
0: Yeah, I should use those. And
1: all you do is you screw the slides in place, and then you just set the drawer on top. And there's these little clips that it locks into, and you just push it, and it's it's in, it's done. Oh, yeah, honestly, nice.
2: n- not only do they work better, but they're easier to install. I've used both. Um, I I've used the the Blum Bloom, however you want to say it, and then the on the last project, I used those Home Depot cheapo uh, side mount ones, and I regretted it. I yeah. was like, ah, I'll never do this again. I I, I have was trying to save a buck, you know. Yeah,
1: I will never use those again for a customer. Absolutely not. Huh. It's worth it's worth the the more money. And I've even got the off brand um, Blum ones, Bloom ones, and um, they're just not as good. The Bloom ones are just so yeah nice. Yeah, everything
0: I've used so. from Blum is nice. So did you
2: deliver that thing to the client?
0: No, no. Um, so the client is in Pennsylvania, and they're let's see. Their son-in-law and daughter live here in Lexington, and I guess they're going to be going to Pennsylvania over Memorial Day, a uh, Memorial Day holiday rather, and they're going to take it with them. So they'll deliver oh. it for me, and the client's putting on hardware. So right now it's just sitting with, you know, flush uh, drawer faces, no hardware. So he'll he'll install oh, hardware okay. and everything on that. Um, but yeah, it's I guess it's going to sit in my shop until until they come and pick it up. Nice.
2: So on your social media, on uh, Instagram, you note, you mentioned something about the India Ink raising the grain. Oh, and yeah. I figured I'd ask you about that because we were actually talking that, about that on the podcast last time. Yeah,
0: so let me correct myself from what I said on the podcast. Um, I said that it did not raise the grain, and that would be because I'm an idiot and forgot <laughs> that I pre-raised the grain on the drawer faces because uh they got a little bit of rain on them. Uh, Wait,
1: what in your shop?
0: No, they were sitting, they were sitting outside and it started sprinkling. So, so they got
1: like naturally water
0: popped. Yeah, they naturally got water popped. So, I sanded them and then I inked them. And then I totally forgot that I had water popped them essentially, which is why they didn't raise it, didn't raise the grain. But Uh, this, as soon as I started putting India ink on the carcass, boy, it popped. You know, right? So in up. hindsight,
1: so, would you you think you would have liked to have water popped the whole thing and then sanded it so it didn't do that? Yeah, most okay. definitely. Okay. Good to know. Because
0: you know what sucked? Uh, what sucked the most about after the fact was sanding black plywood. Mm. It wow. got everywhere. Like I, uh, I had black yeah. all over me. Like it looked. <laughs> have Your you ever seen those? were black. Yeah. No, I had I had black rim oh, around my nose. There, buddy. Uh, my ears had black around them like it it was like a really comedic thing where when somebody like you see in the office where they go to change the toner in the copier like that's that was me (laughs) i changed the toner in the copier after sanding that carcass it was awful
2: i would now does that stuff does that stuff soak in enough to where you don't sand right through it or did you notice yourself sanding through it and then you had to like touch up some of the spots
0: in some spots I did sand through it, but I I used 400. So I didn't really go too aggressive on it. Uh, but there so was then some Then did of the you spots have to reapply that, in those places? Yeah, just in in little spots here and there, just no. just where I may have gone see, a little too hard.
1: I know every time you talk about the India ink, I bring up the Rubio pre color. But the thing I like about the Rubio system is you put the pre color on, it does basically water pop it. You sand it smooth again. You take away like this fine like the bumps and everything. Yeah. you can see the natural wood again. But then, like you said, you have to spray you know lacquer over the India ink. because You got to yeah. put a sealer on it. Well, after you pre-color the Rubio, you use the Rubio oil. But if you use like the same color oil that you use for the pre-color, yeah, it covers up all those sand spots because so it it's it all coloring in. it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? So it's nice because you don't have to worry about like reapplying the original color.
2: I have a question. Since you you mentioned getting that sawdust everywhere, that black sawdust, do you have a, a dust collector hooked up to your orbital sander?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've everything. I've got all my power tools that have any dust making. I've got them all set up to where I can hook up to a, just a shop okay. back and dust deputy. But I, I didn't, I didn't use it when I was doing this because I was just hand sanding. Oh, because I, I mean, anytime I water pop stuff, I usually don't use the orbital because I don't want to yeah. go crazy. Oh,
2: Okay, gotcha. Yeah, no, that's that's. I just brought it up because I, I see a lot of people not doing that, and it's such an easy thing to do to hook up a, you know shot back hose or whatever to your, your dust collector, like on a random orbit sander. And it makes such a big difference, man. That oh, that sure. fine yeah. dust goes everywhere. If you yeah. don't like actively suck it out of the machine. So,
1: yeah. And some of those Any- dust systems work so good. Like I've used my random orbit sander in my house before and it's, yeah. just, it's totally fine. It doesn't even make it yeah. dusty. Mm-mm.
0: So I got that all finished up and it is under a blanket, just waiting to head out the door, but that's what I've been working on. What have you been working on, Jason?
1: Man, I have been working on too many things at once, which is just the story of my life. I don't know if I've talked about it on the podcast, but we're in the middle of remodeling our entire house right now. Wait, um,
0: you're doing the entire house? I thought it was just the kitchen.
1: No, so the warehouse is is like the we have a living room, family room, office, dining room, kitchen nook, um, I mean, kitchen, breakfast nook, like mudroom, all downstairs, and then upstairs there's um three bedrooms and a bathroom, and so we're redoing everything in the entire house except the upstairs bedrooms and bathroom. So wow, wow. all of downstairs and then the stairs, upstairs landing, railing, new flooring, like paint, cabinets, like basically everything. Um, I got really excited about the idea of redoing our entire house and I just went like demo crazy and ripped everything out. (laughs) That's the easy part. And you have so much fun doing it. But yeah, then all of a sudden you realize like, dang, I got to now fix all this stuff and build Mm -hmm. all this stuff back in. And of course I'm always trying to save money. So I'm like, Oh, I'll do most of it myself. So I actually hired somebody to do all the hardwood flooring, which I'm really glad I did. I hired a really great guy to do that. Um, but I am currently rebuilding all, yeah, all of was, our kitchen cabinets. I was actually going to ask if it was Gary. <laughs> it wasn't Gary. I don't hire him to do everything. It's like your little shop superhero. No, but <laughs> I'm rebuilding our kitchen cabinets right now, which I know how to make cabinets. It's not a big deal. Um, what's a big deal is trying to remodel your house on top of you know working all day and doing your normal builds. Yeah. So this last week, I built an entire built-in for a client and was building kitchen cabinets like at the same time. And I thought, oh, it's all cabinetry, you know, doing one, I might as well do all of them, but different sizes, different shapes. I was just kind of bouncing all over the place. So this is a crazy week, man. But I just finished um, my client built-in install yesterday. I went up to, I'm about an hour from Portland, but the install was up in Portland. So I went up there. Um, This house that I was installing in is... Insane. One of those houses that you're like, man, if I won the lottery, I might be able to live here. Yeah, those are nice. Um <laughs> super, super high end house. It's actually built on a lake. And when I say on a lake, I mean it's literally on pillars oh, on nice. the lake. <laughs> oh wow. That's literally so, on the lake. Literally on the lake. So when a boat goes by, you can hear like the, the wake splashing underneath the house. Oh, Whoa. that's weird but the downside to that is it's all built on these pillars and i think over time the house has kind of settled a little bit so every wall is just a little bit off and not square and wonky and so installing these cabinets and then we installed um six floating shelves every shelf had to be cut custom to fit the wall Mm. inscribed and yeah, just it was It was fighting the house the entire install so it took a long time we got there at um i say we because my friend jeff was helping me install but we got there at like i don't know 8 30 in the morning and we didn't leave until about nine at night so
2: it took the whole day it's a long day now to me that seems like the perfect upsell opportunity where you're like i've got these shelves and they are absolutely perfect like all the corners are square Everything's straight all we need to do is rebuild your house
1: yeah yeah i'm not <laughs> gonna rebuild a house that's the <laughs> yeah. last thing i want to oh, do man. especially a house on top of a lake that sounds like a nightmare <sighs>
0: hey do they but... have do they have water beds dude that would be awesome <laughs> i wonder if
1: it, the water beds on top of the water would like counteract yeah it'd so be like it normal beds. Like a regular bed yeah. yeah no the house didn't move it's not like a boat the house isn't moving around oh well, that's not as cool around. No, it's not as cool. But their back porch, like what we normal peasants would consider a back porch. You go out, you barbecue, you sit in patio chairs. Well, they mm-hmm. have that, but it's also like their dock. So you can just jump off the back porch into the lake. It's pretty sweet. Oh, that's awesome. Or hop on the yacht. Well, yeah. Then off the back of their house, they have what looks like a two-car garage with like actual garage doors, but they're boats. So you mm-hmm. open the garage door and just pull your boats out onto the lake. Wow. And- do your thing that's awesome yeah it was a really nice place to work um you know to feel that kind of lifestyle momentarily even if as a mere laborer it was nice (laughs) but I finished that up on Monday um today was kind of a crazy day running around doing computer work and then tomorrow I'm actually getting on an airplane and I'm flying down to uh Long Beach and a friend of mine who um, I follow on Instagram, and he also works with Grizzly um, Industrial Tools, who I work with pretty closely. I'm gonna go meet up with him and hang out in his shop for a few days, and he's gonna teach me how to use a lathe. Mm. I have never lathed before. First and project,
2: a pen. A pen, yeah.
1: I am going You're gonna going be cranking to out the pens. Make a pen and <laughs> write a note to all the pen makers. <laughs>
2: I'm sorry. I'm so sorry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I never realized how cool you are.
2: (laughs) This was the most fun I've ever had. I finally have lived.
1: Yeah, no, I just got a brand new lathe. Um, I was working on setting that up today. But I honestly, I've never used a lathe in my entire life. The thought of putting a piece of wood on a piece of machinery and getting it spinning at a very high rate of speed and then holding a sharp knife to it that doesn't make any sense to me at all. No, it doesn't. That absolutely <laughs> freaks me out. I don't get it. So I'm very excited to go down and actually be trained by a professional. This will actually be the first time in my entire life, um, as far as woodworking is concerned, that I've been trained by a professional how to do something hmm. and not just watched YouTube videos. So I'm pretty excited about it.
2: What do you think you want to use that thing for ultimately?
1: Um, I'd really like to get to the point where I could do table legs on it. Um, Or maybe some, like, um, not table legs, but, like, a pedestal table would be cool. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe, like, artisan salad dressing, like, (laughs) garnishes. (laughs) Um, Like, I thought it'd be cool to put, like, maybe carrots or cucumbers on there and turn, like, spindly carrots for, like, really high-end salads. Like, that house I was doing the install at. Let's say they're throwing a a garden party or a boat party and they need high-end salads. Well, I could turn those carrots Mm. and cucumbers for their salads just saying Yep. straight julianne that stuff wouldn't be bad so that's kind of what i'm thinking
2: if you ever need a toothpick you just go to the lathe and you know chuck up a big old log and make yourself a toothpick yeah yeah
1: do it man it'll be great
2: right on well i think it's probably just about time we hear a word from our sponsor so jason what do you got for us this week Well
1: today's show is brought to you by Sawdust Savories. Do you have a pellet wood stove but hate buying all those wood pellets? Do you have a dust collection system in your shop but don't know what to do with all that extra dust? Well, at Sawdust Savories we have an answer to both of those problems. High-end research done at some of the country's leading community colleges has shown that even the pickiest kids will eat sawdust if coated with enough sugar. <laughs> now, sawdust savories is a chemical compound. It's a mixture of high fructose corn syrup, Hershey's syrup, and love. When covered on your sawdust and fed to your children, the sawdust passes through their system undigested. <laughs> All you have to do is wait for that to pass and collect those perfectly formed pellets. They can be burned in your wood stove or, if you don't have a wood stove, sold for a marked up price. Sawdust Savories, get yours today.
2: Uh, that's hilarious. Keeping warm all winter. Uh, Thank you, Jason.
1: It's an eco-friendly heat.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> Sweet.
1: Well, are we going to like actually have a topic on this show or are we yeah. just talking about, like, I mean, woodwork
2: yeah, well, this is. I mean, a wood, that's great. I like it. This is a woodworking podcast, so uh, why don't we talk about wood? What do you guys think about that? I think we would. <laughs> Sweet.
1: I hope no one well, gets bored. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, so you're thinking wood, uh, like species, anything? That's right. Yeah. You
2: know that every project starts with wood, and obviously the lumber yard is generally where you go or Home Depot or whatever. So I thought we'd bring that up and kind of talk about the the purchasing process. And this might be a good topic for some people who are maybe new to woodworking, who mm. I figure, you know, you hear a lot of people talking about sort of the big box store and what's available there. And maybe we could dive a little deeper for somebody who's not comfortable about Going to a lumber yard, maybe that's a little intimidating. All the, the lingo and the, the speake, species that they have there and, and kind of the, yeah. the purchasing process and what maybe what you look for, pricing, that sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Man, I'm going to drop some crazy news to all you new, like, just starting out woodworkers out there. Listen up because your mind's going to be blown here. There are other places to buy wood than Home Depot and Lowe's mm. and this Menards just in if you're in the Midwest. Yeah. You don't just have to buy it there. And here's a crazy little fact. The wood's a lot better quality <laughs> at yeah. other places Much. than Home Depot and the big box stores
2: it doesn't all look like a pringles potato chip no, for one thing. no no no
1: i will say when i first started woodworking i mean i i feel like everybody starts there you know you want to get into woodworking that's the easiest place to get lumber you go down to home depot you buy some 2 by 10s or whatever it is and you start making stuff. Um the issue with all the wood at those big box stores is like speed is their money maker, right? So the faster they get the wood in the store and out of the store, the more money they make, which means that unless it specifically says none of that stuff is kiln dried, it's all what's called green lumber, which it's means It's not dried f-
2: at all. It's wet as a sponge.
1: Its moisture content is crazy high. So you can yeah. build whatever you want out of that and make it look wonderful and then you give it a week and it's going to look like a warped you know kind of like Blake's skin looks now in his older age it's like (laughs) sagging (laughs) off of his body (laughs) no but that's the problem that all these all like you know newer woodworkers run into and it's sad because you're already a little intimidated you want to make something cool you haven't had a lot of experience and then you do that and you deal with expansion and contraction and it's it's hard to deal with so what do you do where else do you get wood if
0: you do a little bit of searching on the internet, you will find that there are a lot more options at your back door than you think there are. Mm-hmm. Even in my, or little, maybe even your
2: front door.
0: Yeah. Even on your front door, even in my little area of central Kentucky, there are probably four or five different, really good places to get lumber. That is not the home box, you know, big box stores. And just like you said, Jason, Jason, the lumber you buy there is going to be so much more superior than than the box stores.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because it's made for an comp- entirely different reason. The wood that's carried at like Home Depot and Lowe's, it's made for construction. Yeah, which absolutely. Which means you can use green wood. In fact, a lot of times in construction, green wood is better because when you're sinking screws into it, you don't have to worry about splitting and stuff because it accepts that. So lots of people like to build with green wood. Yeah. When you go to like your local lumber store that carries hardwoods and things like that, they're selling those to, you know, people doing trim or furniture or flooring where it needs to be dry and ready to use. So you're just going to get a way better quality piece of lumber at those type of stores.
2: Yeah. If you're building cabinetry or really anything where wood wood movement is going to be an issue, then you got to go to the source. You know, you got to go to the lumber yard or somewhere that actually... Sell stuff that's been dried.
1: Don't sure. go to the source. That's called a tree, and it <laughs> would be green. You want, yeah. you want to go to somebody that
2: has Maybe the wood the after the source. That's yeah,
0: right. somebody's cut the source down.
2: But I know, like when I was first getting into woodworking, you know, forty or fifty years ago, um, I I remember. You guard, hardcore. That. <laughs> uh anyway i remember being kind of intimidated by a, a lumberyard because you know it wasn't like the big box store where everything just had a paper price tag on it like yeah. you don't know yeah they, they don't even have them labeled they don't even say like what type of wood they are a lot of the time but depending on where you go they won't have the prices it's so you know i could see how somebody who's maybe new to woodworking could walk into that, a place like that and feel like you know am i asking too many questions or what are the questions I should be asking and that sort of thing. So Mm -hmm. let me put it to you, Nick. What's kind of your process when you walk into a lumber yard? What are some of the things you're looking for or what are some of the questions you want to ask uh, if you're maybe brand new to woodworking?
0: Well, let me tell you about the first time that I went into an actual sawmill that was selling uh, rough cut lumber. I went in basically knowing nothing other than the fact that I was looking for ash.
1: So this was before
0: you were married? Uh, oh ash sorry I'm sorry I wasn't listening okay you're looking for ash Okay, Uh this is back in my college days (laughs) okay so I walk in and I'm saying I need ash what have you got so they take me over to their their stockpile and he's like it's it's three dollars a board foot and I'm like I have no idea what that means I honestly had no idea what board foot was so I'm thinking, uh, board foot. Mm, I I had no idea what I was supposed to do to calculate that. So I end up picking like five or six boards out that I I liked, and then he starts measuring, and and they're four quarter, and he starts calculating everything, and he tells me a price, and I was like, Oh, that's that's a lot more Yikes. than I was expecting.
2: Yeah. I didn't uh, didn't realize that was the calculations you needed to do. Yeah, so that's one thing. If you're gonna go get the good stuff, you got to realize it might be a little pricey. Well, I mean, when you're
0: when you're buying something that's like ash in my neighborhood, it's like two fifty to three dollars that range for for four quarter four quarter ash. It's that's not really that expensive for a good hardwood. But when you're in the mentality of not knowing how big like an eight foot board is, like how much that costs, that's That's pretty eye-opening to a new guy. You're like, wow, I didn't realize it was going to be that much for that board.
1: One thing that I highly recommend is don't be intimidated by like board feet, calculations, anything like that, trying to figure out the formula and doing it. I mean, it's not that hard of a... Of an equation to figure out, but... Um, let's,
2: let's lay out the equation for... Like I said, we're, we're going to cater this towards some of the people who are new to this. So what okay, is la- the equation?
1: Lay it out, Blake.
2: Yeah, let's hear it because I actually don't remember I don't even it.
1: know at this point because <laughs> I don't <laughs> use Forgotten. it anymore. That's what I was getting to is, I mean, I just download an app. It's called <laughs> It's called Board Feet Easy. It's just a board foot calculator. And you just type in your length, you type in your width, you type in your thickness... And then if you want to, you can type in the price per board feet. You press calculate. It will tell you the total board feet that you have, and it'll tell you the price. Mm-hmm. It is crazy easy. I use yeah, this when nice. I'm at the lumber store to figure out like how much I'm going to spend, just to double check that they're also measuring correctly because they make mistakes. Yeah. Um, I also use it when I'm quoting somebody a job to know how much my material cost is because I'll call the lumber store and I'll say, hey, I need a quote because lumber prices are kind of like the stock market. They change weekly. I'll call the lumber store, I'll say, Hey, what's the board foot price on black walnut? They'll say, Oh, it's thirteen fifty right now. I'll plug it into my board foot calculator so that way I know exactly what my price is so I can deduct materials from yeah. whatever piece I'm doing. Yeah. Um
0: wait, is walnut really thirteen
1: fifty where you are? In Oregon, yeah. What's what? up there? Dude, four quarter is like eight bucks. Dude, that's insane. It is so expensive right now. Wow. It's nuts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's a it's a burden. I will Goodness. say that, but there's so many, I mean, and there's tons of apps like that out there. B- Boardfoot easy is a super nice one to use. Um, it's free. I think might be two ninety nine. I don't know. Don't quote me on that.
2: I um, like that tip that, that Jason just gave is just, just use the app on your phone because doing that in your head or whatever is, is definitely a pain. But yeah, yeah. there's just no one, reason to do it. One thing that I would recommend is not only bring a plan with you so that you know, the dimensions that you need, but definitely bring a tape measure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that
2: you can at least get an idea of what the the boards that you need and the width that you need for your project so that mm-hmm. you can measure it out and get get exactly what you need.
1: Well, and you also got to think about like offcuts and waste. So, if you totally. measure out your project and you say like, okay, I need 27 board feet of white oak, um, you're not going to want to get 27 board feet of white oak. You're going to yeah. want to get like 30 to 35 board feet of white oak because you're going to have to cut out knots and cut off some pieces and you're going to have to get certain lengths and you're going to have waste. So if you just get what the amount that your you know plan says you need, you're not going to have enough.
2: And depending on the lumber yard you, that you go to and how rough the lumber is that you're getting, you may or may not need a planer because... If you're buying lumber that's real rough and that's warped and twisted and all that, then then the whole idea is like you said, accounting for waste. You, you might start out with something that's four quarters, which, if if anybody listening doesn't know what that means, it's just you know four quarters is, is an inch. Most of the the pre-finished wood or a pre-planed wood that you buy is like three quarters. But Somebody
1: should check his math. Is four quarters really an inch? <laughs> it's it's roughly an inch. Okay, I'll try yeah. Actually,
0: four quarters is a dollar.
1: Yeah, that is
2: true. (laughs) I'm way off then.
1: I think that woodworkers just like to be annoyingly confusing sometimes with like four quarters, six quarter, eight quarter, or like, you know, a two by four is an inch and a half, you know, like, yeah, Yeah. give me a break.
2: Yeah. And don't be afraid to ask because the the people there at the lumber yard will will walk you through it. If you don't know, you know, I'm I'm sure they get people walking through there every day with questions that are more idiotic than how, how you think yours are.
1: Oh, absolutely. That was going to be my next point is do not be intimidated to go into the lumber store and basically just say like, I know nothing about buying lumber. I need help. Even ask like, hey, I want to build this table. Do you have a, a wood that you would suggest? Maybe like a inexpensive wood that's a decent wood for a beginner. I mean, they're just at least my lumber store. They're so helpful, so willing to give you that information. And from my experience, because I have bought a lot of lumber at a lot of different stores, it's not like they view you as like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Here's an opportunity to take advantage of this person because they know eventually yeah. you're going to learn and they want you to keep coming back. So they're going to treat you well. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about like not being smart and getting taken advantage of. Just ask them your questions. Um, let them help you. They, they love to to walk you through that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. One of the best tips that I have for going into an actual lumberyard is, is you can actually have them at almost every lumber yard that I've walked into, you can have them do a lot of the cuts for you. So if you have a big old manly pickup truck like uh, Nick has, what's it, the Ford Flex? Yeah. Is, is that what it's you, a it's yeah. an
0: enclosed pickup truck. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those new enclosed yeah. pickups.
2: Right. Or or even for me, like I had I used to have a Ford Ranger, which is not exactly a pickup truck either, as it's you guys pointed a, yeah. out. Thank you. It's a car with a <laughs> truck bed. It's yeah. a car with a little bed on the back. It's
1: like El Camino's brother. That's
2: right. Right. So it looks like a truck if you squint, but it's <laughs> not big enough in the back to put a full sheet of plywood. Um, so even like plywood, I mean, I would go in there with my dimensions drawn up on a sheet of paper, kind of how I wanted that thing broken down. Mm-hmm. And the, usually the cutting cost for them to throw that piece of plywood on their table saw is pretty minimal. Yeah. Now- it's not very the cuts that they're going to make on that beat up old table saw at the lumberyard are probably not going to be very accurate but you could at least get the thing like cut in half or cut into quarters and then bring it home to your own shop and like for me i'm working in a one car garage and i got a small table saw i can't wield a full sheet of plywood around in this little little place so uh not only does it make it easier for me to bring that piece home but um then I can throw it on my table saw and make the, the more accurate cuts. As long as I know that the ones that I have them do at the lumber yard are going to be a little bit bigger than, than the final dimensions that I, that I need for my project. Yeah. And I'll do the same thing for hardwood too. Um, you know, you, if I know that I need three, three footers or something like that, then I'll, I'll just get a nine or, or like a 10 foot board and have them chop it up for me. And then I can easily throw on my truck, easily throw it on my chop saw bench at home and make those final cuts.
1: Yeah. And it even goes farther than that. So like, let's say you're just starting out in woodworking and you want to build a table, but maybe you only have a chop saw and a table saw, or maybe just a chop saw. Um, Maybe you don't have a joiner or a planer. And so it's hard for you to get a straight edge on a board or get something planed. Um, Most lumber stores will straight edge boards and they'll plane boards for you as well. You do have to pay a little bit more per board foot, but it's not much. It's like maybe 20 or 30 cents more. Yeah for straight edge plane, but um, ask about that. If you don't have the tools, don't let that stop you from building a piece because you can get boards pretty well like milled straight from the lumber store if you want them. And then it just saves you time when you get home or if you don't have the tools, so another option. So, I mean, that's kind of like buying wood, um, pricing wood, but let's talk about some different species of wood. Like for example, I mainly build out of three species, and that's because that's what customers want, and that's kind of what's on trend right now. So I build with a lot of reclaimed fir, I build with a lot of white oak, and I build with a lot of black walnut. Hmm. Um, I have occasionally stepped outside of that, and I use different woods for like cabinet facing and things like that. But when it comes to furniture, those are pretty much my three hmm. main woods that I use. I don't know You if don't use enough.
2: much maple then? Or-
1: I don't. I don't use okay. a lot of maple right now. Um, most maple doesn't take, I mean, it doesn't take stain really well, so you no, can not really color it very well. Um, so it's pretty much like if somebody wants a super light wood for a piece of furniture, I've done a couple maple things, but most people don't like how plain it looks. It doesn't have a lot of grain going on or anything like that.
2: Oh, it can, though.
1: Well, if you're getting like spalted maple and things like that, sure, sure. But then you're paying right. a premium for them. But most of my clients, they don't want that. Like white oak is right. super popular yeah. right now. Yeah, when you Not do like a yellow and... '90s white yeah. oak, more of like a natural white oak. But what kind of woods are you guys using? Is that like a regional Oregon thing, or is, are you seeing similar trends where you're at? Or
0: well, it's it's kind of different for me because I I get a little bit of client builds and then what i want to build what i want to build is more out of walnut and my favorite wood is actually ash because of one price point two it's hardwood and three it it treats my tools really well like it cuts well it doesn't doesn't you know destroy blades and stuff like that and all my stuff can handle it uh but i think most people around here don't really care i mean this Like, my geographical area of central Kentucky, they're not as educated on types of wood. So, like, my clientele will say, we want this piece of furniture. And I'll be like, well, do you want it oak? Do you want it maple? Do you want it walnut? And they're like, I don't even know what those are. So, it's kind of one of those things where I have to do a little bit of education, you know, of, like... Well, this this is darker. This is lighter. This can take stain. Yeah. This and you know that kind of thing. But for the most part, I I just I have found that most of the clients that I'm dealing with just don't know. So they're at the mercy of me telling them what they should do with it. And yeah, you know, less
2: less options is more. For yeah, them and too, it, it kind of helps me a
0: lot because then I'm working with what I want to work with rather than yeah. You know, yeah. somebody says I want Honduran Honduran mahogany, and I'm like, well where am I going to find that? But <laughs> yeah.
2: what about when you're building something for yourself? Do you have a preference there?
0: I love Oak like reclaimed Oak is awesome to work with. Um, I mean, I, I'm kind of spoiled because the dealer that I get my reclaimed Oak from D nails it, makes sure everything's, you know, pulled out of it. Cause it's, it's mainly, uh, Kentucky either barnwood or Kentucky, um, horse fence planks so a lot of nails is that most like that.
1: of the reclaimed wood like in your region is oak
0: yeah i would say like probably 90 percent of it is all oak
1: see yeah. that's interesting because i use a lot of reclaimed wood where i'm at but it's all douglas fir because that's what we have in Oregon. well that's all you know, yeah right? that's all that grows there yeah yeah exactly we
0: have a lot of oak trees in kentucky um but and a lot of oak barrels yeah i mean yeah all our barrels are made of oak too so i guess it Kind of runs hand in hand, but yeah. So when I get when I get like the reclaimed oak from them, it's easier to work with. So I don't have to worry about you know stuff being in it and you know dulling any knives in my plane or stuff like that. But um, I I uh, actually just made this this uh little silverware organizer for my wife for oh, yeah, for our that. kitchen, and it was out of white oak, and I didn't do a thing to it. Like I just left it pure white oak and just spray lacquered it just uh like a satin lacquer and i love the way that looked like it's just yeah. it looks pure and nice and clean you know just real good looking oak
1: yeah oaks yeah. i think oak is timeless i mean i think the coloring and how you treat it changes but i think like the wood essentially that's the funny thing is like you go through these trends right everything goes through trends styles like housing like how you build things but there's a limited amount of species of wood so yeah the wood kind of stays constant through the trends it's just how you're like treating it is different in the 80s 70s 80s 90s like mm. everything was you know like lacquered or shellacked and it just turned yellow yeah. and tinted with Golden. you know sunlight and it's just that orangey nasty oak and now like white oak's really popular but everybody wants it like supernatural yeah. what i use for white oak is um Rubio Monaco again, sorry to talk about it again. Um, but they're cotton white because it just adds a little bit of white to it, but it offsets any like yellowing or anything like that. Yeah. So it literally looks like you didn't do anything to it. It looks like you just sanded a piece of oak and left it. Yeah. That's it. Hmm. So I really like that. Yeah, that's nice. What about you, Blake? You seem like you would be the type of guy to use some... Interesting woods, some exotic, exotic stuff, snake wood or coca bola, maybe some Bolivian rose woods or some ipe. I don't know,
2: yeah. Well, you know, again, you know, 40, 50 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> you would have been right on the money. Um, and, and that's actually exactly where I started my woodworking. I'm, I'm a little bit spoiled because we have this place called Global Wood Source. And if you want to look that place up on the internet, it is mind-blowing. But um, they they carry just about anything you could possibly imagine when it comes to exotics or like highly figured uh, domestic hardwoods and that sort of thing too. If I mean, you go there and everything is just wild grain and popping colors and, and just like even... The, the maples that they have, the figured maples and the figured Clara walnuts, it's just off the charts. So I'm totally spoiled in the sense that I walk in that place and it's like a total candy store to me. I'm just yeah. like, oh, and, and I spend way too much every time I walk in that place too. But I totally started out exactly what you said, like all the exotics and like, oh man, this wood is amazing. I have to figure out some some way to use it and i ended up building my projects around the wood to show off the wood as much as possible and i got mm. i got really excited about about that idea i think as my woodworking evolved and as you know design is always to me it's kind of the carrot hanging on the end of the stick it's like i never feel like i i know exactly what i want when it comes to design still but it's something that i've i've tried to improve and study So as I get a better handle on what I want design wise, I find myself simplifying the wood choice quite a bit. And my, my aesthetic has changed dramatically since, since the early days, I'm now going for stuff that is just really simple when it comes to the materials, you know, where before I might've used three or even four different, like highly contrasting exotic hardwoods where there's you know, maple and then bloodwood and walnut and all these different colors and wild grain patterns and that sort of thing. And now I'm at a point where I'm trying to push myself to let the design speak for itself. Mm. And I might have one nice piece of wood with a little bit of figure on like the top of a table or something, but I don't, I'm not just making a piece that's screaming for attention you know with three or four different contrasting colors. I'm probably
1: going to get a lot of DMs from haters out there for saying this (laughs) but when it comes to like exotic hardwoods and like I just think a lot of them are ugly man I don't know. I just like like simple. I mean sometimes when I'm doing white oak and I come across like a crazy figured piece of white oak with just insane like cross grain and like just so much going on I'll be like, "Wow, oh, this sucks," and I'll throw it in the scrap bin because I don't even <laughs> I don't even want to use it. It's too yeah. It's like too fancy for me. It reminds me of like the the seventies, eighties. I don't I know that like yeah, featuring a lot of the crazy grain and stuff was really popular then, and I just don't love it. I don't like the really bright reds and oranges. And purple heart is my least favorite wood of all time. I think it's yeah. ugly.
2: No, I um, totally agree but that's with That's my
1: preference. And yeah. I mean, that's okay. If you like it, that's fine. Turn your pens with it.
2: it. <laughs> I totally agree with you, but but ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I would have just drooled over that stuff and like how many different grain patterns and colors can I, yeah, can I put yeah. in. And a some project? people
1: really get off on it. That and that's totally fine. Um, I think maybe I'm speaking too from like I deal with a lot of customers and right now it's like the minimalistic style is what's on trend and yeah. on point. Yeah. And people just don't want that. And so that's what I'm used to doing. And um usually it's my older clients um that want like the really fancy grain stuff. And I just don't do a lot of it. I just I don't enjoy it. But that's well, you just have me. good
2: design sense too. And and if you can let that speak for itself, then you don't need the, the material that you're using to scream for attention. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. One thing I would say though, to all those people that are like new to woodworking or just getting started, especially if you're wanting to do like client work, um if you're wanting to sell pieces, not just make them for yourself. Um I really encourage you to try working with some harder woods. Kind of steer away from the big box stuff because you're never going to be able to sell pieces for any amount of money unless they're made out of quality wood, yeah, and if you're getting your wood from Home Depot or big box stores, you're just you're not going to be able to make the the profit on them that you you can with a harder wood. so it might be hard to invest that initially, but you will see a return on your investment i I guarantee it,
2: yeah, and playing off of that, I, I don't mean to bash you know anybody who's doing more highly contrasted. Um, you know, exotics and and highly figured I stuff. Openly meant to laugh <laughs> <them>. <laughs> Be, because you know, I was all about that at a time, and I, it was just exciting seeing all these these new materials to work with and playing with the different grains and patterns and that sort of thing. And I learned a lot doing that. At the yeah. same time, I learned a lot about well, like this this type of wood is way harder to work with, and and it it maybe one type of wood can you can use hand tools and it planes really well and another type would just total fail when it comes to any kind of hand tool work um and then another thing that i learned and this is part of the reason that i backed off some of the exotics um i had a horrific allergic reaction to bloodwood one time Oh yeah
1: no and some it, of those exotic like um amazonian woods man they're crazy they're some of them are like downright poisonous you got to be careful. oh yeah
2: Yeah, no, it actually, it almost put me in the hospital and it put me out of the shop for close to a year and I was like depressed about it. I I was literally thinking, you know, after I had that allergic reaction, um, I got, my skin got so sensitive to any sawdust after a while, like even just pine or maple or something that doesn't have a lot of those oils and tannins in it. I was actually at a point where I thought I was never going to be able to do woodworking again. So I, I, I made sure. I actually put on one of those like hazmat Tyvek suits and a respirator and like <laughs> duct taped gloves around my wrists and basically almost like what because we do at work you're a when three. we That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I went in I I put on that Tyvek suit and I went in and I cleaned that shop from top to bottom. I mean every single speck of dust I pulled on the machinery away from the walls and just I mean, I, I went through it like it was a laboratory. I mean, that's how that's how insanely paranoid I was after that incident. But I, I did that and gave it some time, and then I was able to get back into it. Fortunately, so.
1: nice man. We'd hate to lose you to bloodwood of all mm. things. <laughs> no, but that's a good point to say. Like, no, regardless of what wood you're working with, whether it's pine or you know snakewood, um, take proper precautions for. Dust extraction, wear your respirators, even when you're just like hand sanding and stuff, because even if you don't have a allergic reaction to it now, a lot of amazing woodworkers, after they've been doing it for like 20 years, you can develop allergic Absolutely. reactions to that stuff over yeah. time because your body just gets to the point where it's like, I've had enough. And that ends a lot of people's careers because they just can't do it anymore. So you want to limit your exposure to that as much as possible, especially with some of those harder woods because they can be downright toxic. And carcinogenic, I mean, they can cause cancer. So yes. be very careful.
2: If anything else, you don't want to breathe that stuff. But... No.
1: Well, hey, we're coming up on our hour here. So we should probably um, segue into our segment. What's our segment again, Nick? I forget. New maker. Who dis? Who dis? Who does? <laughs> it just never gets old. All right, I got one for you tonight. Are you guys ready? Let's for hear this? it. Now, as much as I've been like, okay, let's be done talking about CNCs. So We're totally over that. Um, I have a maker who actually uses a CNC in an amazing way. It is Flourishing Fibers is her Instagram at Flourishing Fibers. Her name is Sarah Pastrana. Um, I know this girl through Instagram we've DM'd. I've actually bought a product from her for my wife for a present so what she does is she takes like walnut and maple and things like that and she cuts out these crazy shapes with her CNC and then she has her CNC drill these patterned holes in the wood and then she embroiders like embroidery thread through those holes and Holy does these cow. awesome like they're pieces of art they're insane just go look her up you will your mind will be blown they're so stinking cool oh man and um it's such an original idea like i i just haven't seen anyone else really doing anything like this and man she is yeah. on point she's a um just awesome lady she's a an amazing mother just really really cool chick sarah is awesome so go check out her
2: stuff yeah this is Flourishing. Fibers. This is
0: crazy. It's like needlepoint with a wood backer.
1: Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I've never,
2: I've never seen anything like this. This is it's wild, insane.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny because like you think of like needlepoint. No offense, woman, is like this dainty, like womanly thing. But her woodworking is like sweet too. She's like, <laughs> she's the best of both worlds. Yeah, Very cool I love stuff. it. So. i like it a lot one thing i really like about her stuff too is like it's this amazing piece of art all like the needle point on the front and then you get the piece and there's like a nice plywood back so you can't see the back part Uh... which it's all like the crazy cross thread but she includes a picture of it because the back looks almost as cool so like when you order a piece from her you get like a photograph of the back before she closes it up and it's just it's cool oh, man. that's neat really Sweet. cool stuff that's real neat so yeah go follow sarah flourishing fibers go really follow
2: awesome. flourishing fibers and we'll absolutely put a link in the description below uh what is this a youtube video <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we will put a link in the what is it podcast description sure show notes yeah show notes there we go thanks nick yeah yeah and uh go check her out she's got some amazing work here so Thanks, yeah. Jason. Once again, I just wanted to mention that we appreciate all the support from our listeners. It's been absolutely amazing. We're only on episode five, but we are feeling the love, people. Seriously, um, the the reviews on iTunes have been incredible. And just the interaction that we've had on social media is, is really, that's what keeps except, us going. That's except this
1: Dan from Wisconsin, I'm feeling the love a little too much. The DMs are overwhelming, please. <laughs> please but other than that, yeah, we're feeling the love.
2: But keep letting us know what you like about the show and we'll keep doing that.
1: Sweet. Well, with that, I actually have to run back out to the shop because before I can go to bed, I got to glue up some oak. So I'm going to peace out. It has been a pleasure, guys. Awesome.
2: Right on. All right. See you guys later. It was good talking to you. And thanks, everybody, for listening for another episode of The Craft Will Never Die. See you later. Night. See ya. Cool.